he's done. Oh, what he's done. All the glory, Lord. All the glory and the honor to the Son. My sins are you do that today? Would you just begin to praise him in your seat? Just begin to praise him. Just give him thanks. Give him honor right now. Give him worship for all that he's done. For all that you've done, Lord, we worship you. For all that you've done, Lord, we honor your great name. Lord, there are no words. There are no groanings. There are no anything that could, that could fully communicate the immensity of what you've done. We honor your great name. Lord, we, we recognize Psalm 130, verse 3 and 4 in the message. It's written this way. If you, O God, keep records of wrongdoings, who would stand a chance? But as it turns out, forgiveness is your habit, and that's why you are worshipped. Oh, Lord, we thank you today for all that you've done. Lord, we thank you for you, Jesus, and your shed blood and the fact that forgiveness of our sins is possible. You've made it a reality. And God, we thank you for that today. Lord, freedom from sin is a reality. Relationship with God is a reality because all you've done. And we honor your great name today. We worship you and we say thank you for this moment right now when we get to express our love. Lord, we say all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together, Amen. 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 It is so good to see you this morning. Let's take a few minutes and greet each other. God bless each one of you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And welcome to Praise Assembly. It is so good to see you. If you are our guest today, maybe today, maybe last week, I don't know. But if you have not filled out, completed a Connect card, that would be tremendous. All you have to do is really fill it out just while you're sitting there. Just ignore what I'm saying from here forward. Just complete it. And then when you leave, hand it to the guest services uh, desk to the person there. They'll have a gift for you. You're done. It's super easy and it's super helpful to us. But we are so glad and appreciative of you being here today. Ushers, if you come, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity again that we have to be able to uh, tangibly reflect your ownership of us. Lord, we give from grateful hearts. Your word commands us not to give with a, a, give grudgingly, but to give with joy. And we do that today. Let it be an act of worship to you. We honor you and we recognize your greatness in this offering today. In Jesus' name, amen.
make a couple um, important announcements. First of all, this Saturday is our first new men's breakfast of this season. So 8 o'clock a.m., got a new set of cooks. Actually, they might be just apprenticing. They might have a little backup help, but we're looking forward to a great time, and I hope you'll be with us. A brand new series by Tony Evans. Um, That is Saturday. Be the man God made you to be on Saturday. And then Sunday next week, of course, is our uh, annual anniversary cookout. If you'll look out, well, you, you drove through this stuff. I, I got here real early and drove through pouring rain. Aren't you glad today is not our cookout? I'm just so glad. God blesses us every year. So keep praying this week. I looked ahead a little bit, but how can you know what the weather's really going to be a week from now unless you consult with the head meteorologist and ask Jesus to give us a beautiful day? Right now, they're forecasting 80 degrees and sunshine. That sounds really good. So let's pray for that this next Sunday. I'm so glad it's not today. Um, you know, when I, after I get up, I heard the rain begin to crash down. I thought, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Don't let it be next week. So uh, it will, we'll be celebrating our 38th year as a local church body. And then uh, finally, oh, wait a minute, I want to do, I want to add one thing to that, right. We've covered this for the last few weeks, but there is a flyer. You may have received another one coming in today. Um, Originally, we had bring a friend, bring a casserole and dessert to share, two sides, um, and singles can bring one. We supply all the grilled meats, the beverages. We have an ice cream truck, face painting, uh, pony rides, pony painting. Okay, you're listening. Inflatables, games, fishing. Hay rides. <laughs> that would freak the pony people out, wouldn't it? You just, okay. Um, but not only bring a friend, bring a chair. Bring a chair. We overlooked that one. Look, bring a chair so you have something to sit on. We do have some picnic tables kind of limited on that, but um, be sure you bring a chair or a couple chairs for someone who may not have one. And then finally this morning, um, we have a freebie we want to give you this morning. It's a book called Patient One, written by Sandra and Greg Mundus. Greg Mundus was our executive director of World Missions for many years. And as you know, during the COVID epidemic, pandemic, um, he, he literally was at death's door for almost two months' time, transferred from one hospital all the way to St. Louis to another hospital, Um, and God brought them through, and it's a wonderful testimony. If you're like me, you don't want to even think about COVID. You don't want to think about pandemics. That's all in the past, but I I, I made myself read this. I did when I got my first copy and started reading the first chapter, and I was just just drawn right in and read it just in a a matter of a couple hours, so um, there's, I've got one, now we, supplies are limited, I've got one per household. So on the way out, if you'd stop by the information desk, you can get your copy. When they run out, they're gone. There isn't much more I can do about that. Um, But uh, if you're interested in reading about their testimony, God brought them back. And I will say this. We had Greg here before COVID hit, 
and he did our missions convention one year. And then I did see him afterwards, and I was amazed at how restored he really was. Uh, you'll see some photos in here as well. I mean, he had been just to the brink of death's door, and God touched his body. Uh, I thank God for the medical, uh, the medical profession that were able to, you know, intervene and keep him going. But God truly touched him, and uh, he has a, a son who is a, uh, a spine specialist. He's a doctor, and he was involved in part of that as well. It's great reading. So, uh, be sure to get your copy on the way out, Pastor Hans. And just to tag in on that announcement concerning uh, next Sunday, if you could check out this video. to church Sunday is next Sunday the 17th and so please invite somebody out um, uh, you know I just I just feel like pastor didn't do a good enough job on announcements so I have to redo some of them I just I'm just you know I'm just feeling like they just they needed more attention uh, but hey there are a couple announcements that he intentionally didn't make uh, Dwight wanted me to let you know that the Rangers when you came in the front door they had that table there so for your uh, boys that are a part of Rangers um, their shirts are in, leaders, your shirts are in, so please see Dwight. And they do have some upcoming events, so parents, make sure you pay attention to dates, deposits, times, those types of things. And again, if you have any questions, please see Dwight or one of our Ranger leaders. Um, yeah, men's breakfast coming up. You won't want to miss that. That's coming up this Saturday. Uh, today is the deposit for Youth Convention. It is due today. And uh, it is $60. Uh, if you forgot, if you, you, know, you might have just woke up and said, oh my gosh, I, have to, I completely forgot. It's okay. The world's not going to end. We're fine. Uh, just let me know. Communicate so I know what's going on. Or else I'm going to assume something different than maybe you're intending. So uh, that's happening. Um, the uh, 29th at the end of this month, a Friday night. How many on a Friday night? You're looking for something. Don't raise your hand, but you're looking for something to do. You're like, you know, Friday night. Maybe it's been a long week. You just want to relax, do something. We've got a great, wonderful, laid-back, relaxed, enjoyable event for you. It's for the whole family. If you're really young, if you're really old, if you're in between, uh, we want to invite you out. The last Friday of September, the 29th, is a family fun night here at the church. We're going to be in the parking lot. There's going to be uh, bonfire pits. There's going to be pickleball. There's going to be cornhole. <laughs> There's going to be cornhole. There's going to be, you know, basic, you know, we're going to have hot dog. It's just going to be a great night. So if you're a high energy person, there's going to be stuff to do. If you're like low energy, just, I just want to sit down and relax. There is stuff for you to do. So that's happening on the 29th. And also, um, not only next week will we be celebrating the 38th anniversary of our church, but we will be celebrating the 25th anniversary of our pastor and his wife, Kathy. Uh, 25 years is actually today. This is today is 25 years that they've been here. And we're going to officially celebrate that next week. We want to let you know in case some of you were wondering about that. Uh, but we congratulate you. And, and more than congratulating you, we 
honor you, and we are so grateful for the both of you. And again, next week we'll be able to remember that and celebrate that. I think that's it. I think that's it. No more announcements for you. And the reason we do now, I'm going to tell you, this is why we do announcements. It's because we all forget, don't we? We just forget. Uh, somebody can say something to you 17 times, and you and I just, you know, we remember for a while, and then we just forget. But in the same vein of, uh, of inviting people, um, I want to talk about one of the things that Jesus said that really pertains to that. When I was in third grade, um, we had a foster brother. Now, we had a foster brother when I was younger, and then he stayed about a couple weeks. And then one day, he went to school, and he never came home. I never knew what happened to <laughs> him. He just left. And I'm not laughing because it's, it's funny, because I'm just laughing because it was like we were planning, and we had him, and we had him a couple weeks, and he just disappeared. And I'm like, okay, where is he? He's gone. He left. Went to school and just kept on going. But we had another foster brother when I was in third grade, and he was in fifth grade. So we're in the same school. His name was Stephen. And um, Stephen, of course, was older than I am by a couple few years, maybe longer because I know he had been held back a little bit. So he might have been three or four years older than I was. And we went to the same elementary school, Forest Street Elementary. How many remember the name of your elementary school? Anybody here remember the name of your elementary? No, mine was Forest Street Elementary. And then they turned into Conley School. And you know, when you're a kid and they, they change the name of your school, you're like, why? It's great to be the Forest Street School because it was on Forest Street. That's how ingenious we were. And so um, we're at the school, and Stephen comes into our, our, our lives and our home, and he goes to my school. And it's only up to fifth grade, so he's in his last year. But every day, this kid fights people. This kid fights staff members. He doesn't give a rip who you are. He will fight you. He's fighting young kids. He's fighting older kids. He's, he's just a menace in the school. So much so that he leaves an imprint very soon. And, you know, to Stephen's defense, um, he had a lot of things going on in his life, a lot of things happening. But as a boy, as a third grader, I didn't put that together in my head. What I did put together, though, was that I wanted nothing to do with this kid. He was embarrassing. I mean, the way he would talk, he would get in trouble. He was a little different, so kids would make fun of him, hence all the fighting. And it just got to the point where people would, would call me out in the cafeteria and say, hey, Hans, isn't that your brother? And I'm like, he's not my brother. You know, I'd make that very clear. He's not my brother, you know? And, uh, I was just ashamed that I even knew him. And I, I look back now and I try to be kind to me and try to be kind to young Stephen. That, like, I get why I was ashamed, you know. The way he acted was ridiculous. I mean, I remember him jumping off a table and, and, and trying to tackle the principal. I mean, just crazy, crazy things. But I was so ashamed of him, so ashamed. And you know, rightfully in our lives, there are some people that, that we're ashamed of. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they tell the worst jokes and you're like, oh, do I have to listen to this again? And they're just telling this joke and you're like, oh, here we go. Like you've heard it a thousand times. Or they do things or they say things or they're very rude or they act in a certain way or whatever it might be, but we're embarrassed by them and their actions, their behavior, causes us to shy away from acknowledging that we even know them, <laughs> that we're related to them, or that we even want to <laughs> acknowledge their presence. But on the other hand, the flip side, opposite Stephen, opposite maybe some of those people in your life, there's Jesus who came, emptied himself, gave his life, died, rose again so that we could be forgiven, so that we could move from being dead to alive, so that we could have eternity set before us in heaven. He sent his spirit to us to help us to live for him. He didn't just say, hey, follow me, live for me. He gave us power to do it. So opposite of Stephen, other embarrassing people in your life, look at Jesus 
And yet there are times in our lives when we're afraid to acknowledge him. Now, maybe even in your life, you'd say, that's really not me. But was there a moment where you hesitated to acknowledge who Jesus was to you in your life, what he meant to you, what he's done for you, whatever it might be? I think all of us can point to a moment where we say, yeah, you know, I, I shrunk back or I didn't acknowledge his work in my life or who he is. I think it's happened to probably everyone here. But Jesus makes it very clear about declaring our relationship with him and our allegiance to him, as well as his allegiance to us. It's not one way. It's he's devoted to us. He's truthfully much more devoted to us than we are to him. How many have experienced that? But he is devoted to us. In Matthew chapter 10, he makes this statement in verse 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. And the context of Matthew 10 is very important to understanding what acknowledging means, what it looks like, the weight of it. And the acknowledging there is, is not having a Bible verse on your Instagram bio or a cross, or praying hands, or a Bible symbol. It's not having a fish bumper sticker, or some type of Christian bumper sticker on your car, or a symbol on your car. It's not praying before a meal. This is a clear reference to publicly acknowledging your allegiance to Jesus in potentially hostile environments and situations. Uh, we know this is true when we look at the context in verse 32 and 33. Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples. He's sending them out, and he's saying this to them. Go to the lost people of Israel. Go to your fellow Jews. Go out there. Preach the kingdom of God that it's near. Heal. Raise people from the dead. Cast out demons. And depend on me by not taking anything with you. And he says, you'll be persecuted because I have been. You'll be persecuted because I have been persecuted. Now, some of what he said to them, some of the things that he said would happen to them, things they would do, would probably happen on this trip. Others would come true later in their lives, which, as a side note, isn't that true of Jesus' work in your life? Some of the things that he's uh, revealed to you, help you understand or know, maybe in prayer, in a, in, a, in, a, in a time of corporate worship, it hasn't happened yet. And you're waiting patiently for God to come through and do those things. Sometimes God does those things instantly and it happens there. And other times it takes a little while for those things to be able to come true in life. But this is what he says to them. He's like, these are the things I want you to do. These are the things that are going to happen. And uh, regardless the promise that he gives, that whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. It's a promise for you and I who believe today. And there's a man in the Gospels that, uh, even though very little is written about him, he may be one of the more famous, it's not that he may be, he is one of the more famous followers of Jesus that uh, we have in the scriptures. And his life kind of gives us a glimpse today um, of, uh, of, of his life. And this man's name is Nicodemus. How many have ever heard of Nicodemus? Yeah, a bunch of you have heard of him. And he's referred to on three separate occasions in the book of John, chapter 3, 7, and 19. And each mention gives us a clear understanding of where he is at in his relationship with Jesus. Now, the first mention of Nicodemus comes in chapter 3 of the book of John, which, which really is by far the most, most famous reference to him. John chapter 3. Today we're going to watch football at some point. Some of you, some of you could care less. And that's fine. Uh, but some of you are going to watch some football today. And back in the 70s and 80s, there was always a guy in the stands. Maybe they're still there. 
Seems like every stadium there'd be a guy that would hold a sign, John 3.16, you know? Even a person who never went to church might be like, yeah, John 3, this is not a, a, something in the Bible or something like that. Like, they would know. And this is the reference. This is the reference here. John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Now, there was a Pharisee, who, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's important. He's a member of that. He came to Jesus at night. And he said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And we, hear, we see here that Nicodemus acknowledges who Jesus is, and this is the key word, secretly. Secretly. He acknowledges who Jesus is secretly. Now, he believes Jesus is special, different, and he brings this belief to Jesus in secret. Now, I believe that secretly there are, there were, and there are many people who believe that Jesus is someone special. That's, that's not a big stretch. Throughout history and currently today and back then, there were a lot of people, and there are a lot of people who maybe secretly believe there's something to Jesus. There's something to him. There's something about him. But secretly believing something never changes anything. You can have a crush on somebody. That's good. If it's in secret, that's all it'll ever be. Maybe you're a young man or a young woman here, you're a middle school, high school student, and, and you like somebody. And if you keep that to yourself, which honestly, just keep that to yourself for a bit. Just a, just a word of, well, just keep it to yourself a little bit. It's okay. It's okay to be a mystery, an enigma. It's okay to be that. But if you like someone and you keep it to yourself secretly, you're the only one who will ever know. Uh, how many here have had secret crushes when you were younger on somebody? And you're like, yeah, I like them. And, and I, I've told that story of the pastor's daughter that I gave a bunch of stuff to in a shoebox. If you haven't, I'll tell that sometime later. Secret crushes. That's when I brought it out from secret and I got crushed. So anyways, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't, I really don't want to recap that. Maybe there's a dream you have, educational dream, an occupational dream, someplace you've wanted to go. If you keep it secret, nothing ever changes. Nothing ever happens. Nothing ever is transformed. You might have a skill. But if it's always a secret skill, it's something that you work on in, in your shed or something you do and you have a room in your house and you do this or that or whatever it might be, a skill. If it's always a secret, what good does it do? You might have knowledge about certain aspects of life or business or whatever it might be. Can you imagine if you just kept it secret? Can you imagine if you were an engineer in here or if you were... Uh, someone who worked in the trades and you knew what to do, be like, yeah, I'm just going to keep it to myself. You know, what good would, you wouldn't make any money. You wouldn't help anybody. You, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't be useful. When I was a kid, um, my father made, and Bill Chestnut, you, would, you and my father would have been tight. Uh, he passed away about four years ago. And he made his own secret recipe, marinated mushrooms. That was the, the main thing. Sometimes he would add carrots, onions, different things in there. But his marinade for those was incredible. When I was a little kid, he would make it. In my house, I grew up in an ethnic home, and my house always smelled differently than everybody else's home. Can anybody here relate to that? There were smells that came out of my, good smells, but there were smells that came out of my home that were just different than my other kids I grew up with. And it was known, too. I mean, you'd, you could smell it on the street. It was so powerful. And so he would make these mushrooms. And I remember making when I was a little kid. And, and I, I didn't appreciate, like anything, you know, when you're a little kid, you don't appreciate things. How many have been there? You're like, yeah, I get that. I didn't appreciate I'm like, oh, these nasty mushrooms, you know. Ugh. Well, little did I know that this secret recipe, one day he made a couple jars for some guys at work. And then, like, more jars were ordered. Around Christmas and um, 
Christmas and maybe it was Memorial Day. Yeah, those, those times of year. I'm not kidding you. He would make, and if my memory serves me correctly, and I really believe it does, 50 to 100 gallons of this stuff. I mean, so we had like an apartment, and it's just like pots and pans everywhere, and he's making stuff, and, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. So it went from something he made secretly for him to something he put out there, and other people loved it. People would order jars of this stuff. And they would say, oh, we can take, you know, we can take the, the, the marinade, we put our steaks in it, it's unbelievable, and all these things, chicken and whatever. If he had kept it secret, now the recipe was always a secret. He wrote it down before he died and gave it to my sister who has it, and I don't, I don't, I don't know where it is. But everything he made was like 75 gallons, so I'd have to make 75 gallons of it to be able to have it. But it always, if, if it just was in our house, no one ever had it outside our house, it wouldn't have had the same impact. But he made it for so many people, people he worked with, relatives of people he worked with, relatives of those relatives. I'm not kidding you. He would sell quarts on quarts on quarts of this because he was an immigrant and he always had a side hustle. Always. <laughs> always. See, believing secretly doesn't work in your relationship with Jesus. Paul is very clear. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you believe with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is, not, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. If you secretly believe in Jesus as God's son, and you're in need of forgiveness, that's amazing. If you believe that, if I believe that you know Jesus is God's son and, and I really do need his, his forgiveness, that's amazing. But if that's always a secret for you, nothing will ever change in your life. Is it possible in your life? Are you here and you maybe secretly believe, but it's never gone past that stage? Nicodemus was there, but praise God, he didn't stay there. And the second time we see Nicodemus, his acknowledgement of Jesus is, is growing. It's changing. The book of John, chapter 7, verse 50 and 51 says this. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier and who was one of their own number, asked, Does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? See, the context of this verse is this, is that, in, uh, in Jesus's, uh, excuse me, in the greater culture, Jesus had been put out there as, is this the Messiah? People were wondering. And the Pharisees are like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And Nicodemus comes to his defense and says, well, do we judge people unless we ask them what they've been doing, what's been happening? See, not only does Nicodemus earlier in his, in his faith acknowledge Jesus secretly, but at this place, he's acknowledging Jesus strategically, carefully, in a calculated way. He doesn't outright defend Jesus, but he uses the law to help maybe bring some support to at least hearing who this man he is. He strategically does this. Again, the people are, are wondering the leaders are saying, absolutely not. And strategically, Nicodemus appeals to legal precedence. And then afterwards, a verse we don't read, he's summarily rejected. Uh, if you know, basically, they're told, if you know anything about Galilee, you know the Messiah doesn't come from there. Boom, you're done. Have a seat. Be quiet. And I believe the Bible commends strategy for those who believe. I, I don't believe in throwing out strategy. That's, that's foolishness. Even from the Old Testament, from some of our oldest writings in the Bible we have, the, uh, the book of Proverbs says, consider the cost before building a tower. It tells kings you don't go to war unless you consider what your resources are. See, strategy is not a bad thing. Uh, there's a parable of the unrighteous manager that commends this unrighteous manager for his shrewdness. And uh, uh, we're told to be as innocent as a dove 
and shrewd as a what? Snake. So strategy, shrewdness, is not something the Bible teaches against. But in this instance, Nicodemus is not ready to acknowledge Jesus before his peers. He tries to defend him legally. Uh, and, and honestly, at that moment, that, that might have been the wise play for him. That might have been the important play for him in his life. But it's important that we understand a situation when, when we're sharing our faith with somebody, we've got to know the nuances. We've got to know that person, where they come from. Those are important pieces for you and I. When you go share your faith, it's important to know what's going on. When Paul was in the, the, the Greek culture and he saw all the gods and the different things, he was able to see what's happening. Where are these people coming from? And then he shared about the unknown God, the God that we know, the God of the universe. And so we can't throw out strategy, but at the same time, if our acknowledgement of Jesus and who he is is always calculated, strategically thought out, carefully crafted at every turn, that could be a problem. See, there are moments when our faith must be clearly directed and made public. Daniel chapter 3, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I never say that name right. And I, I, don't know if, I don't know if I ever say it right. Abednego, but I'll get that later. But we see them, and in that moment, uh, they, they, couldn't, they couldn't be calculated. They had to say, listen, if you're going to burn us in this fiery furnace, so be it. Daniel, in chapter 6, is caught praying to another god besides the king. And... He just has to say, I can't calculate this one. I can't strategize this one. I am just going to acknowledge God. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin. And it's not strategic. It's not calculated to be able to move his way smoothly into the political system that's there. He shares who Jesus is clearly. And uh, he's stoned and put to death for it. So again, strategy is good. The Bible doesn't speak against strategy, but when it comes to Nicodemus's life, in this moment of his life, when he, is, when he is given an opportunity to defend Jesus, he defends him very carefully and very strategically. See, in your life, does your acknowledgement of Jesus always have to be strategic? Does it have to be a perfect situation where this lines up and that lines up and this is good and that's good? Does it need to be free from conflict? Does it need to be guarded, calculated, safe? If so, then you're stuck where Nicodemus was in John chapter 7. Jesus is clear in John chapter 15, verse 20. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. Calculation, safety, guardedness should not dictate our proclamation of Jesus. And we see in our next passage, the final passage, John 19, that, that Nicodemus moves from secretly to, to uh, uh, strategically communicating. I don't have another S for the third point, so like, I, just, I gave up on that years ago trying to make all my letters match. But we see here in John, John chapter 19, verse 38 and 39, it says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked for the body of Jesus. He asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. So this is a big day for Joseph, and this is a big day for Nicodemus. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. And Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. See, it's hard to hide 75 pounds. If I stood up here today and I lost 75 pounds, you would know it. You'd be like, Pastor Hans was always handsome, but man, Misha, you, you feel, you know what I'm saying? He, he, so he just, he's just even better looking. 
And the, on the other hand, if, if one of us gained 75 pounds in a short period of time, we would notice that too. We'd be like, hey, hi. You know, we would notice that. <laughs> hi, you're, hi, you know. It's hard to hide 75 pounds. If you walked in here with a 75-pound pack on your shoulder or your back, people would be hard-pressed not to wonder what you had. And our, if you walked in here with a sack of 75 pounds of something in, 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 in some kind of sack, our security team would want to know, hi, why are you here with 75 pounds on your shoulder? This is important for us to know. You can't really hide that. Nicodemus goes with Joseph to Pilate to ask for permission to take Jesus' body. And I'm sure, who knows all the people he passed on the way. This is at the end of the day. Who knows who he passed. And he probably smells really good too. He's got aloes and spice with him. He, he brings that aroma. Have you ever walked by somebody that has a perfume or cologne on? And you know, it's like they walk by and like, 10 minutes later, you still smell them. You know, maybe Nicodemus, that was him. He's got, he's got that on him, and he's carrying that with him. It's kind of hard to hide, difficult to hide. Who knows what colleagues he might have bumped into. Friends, neighbors, students, bosses, and family that might have possibly seen him. Hey, Nicodemus, what you got there? <laughs> what do you got on your shoulder? Ooh, what is that? Maybe they knew. Maybe they, they knew those smells. And they put that together. Ah, those are only smells that we really smell when, when someone's being buried. Maybe they put the dots together and, ah. Again, it's hard to hide 75 pounds. And I believe we're given the size and the weight of what Nicodemus carried here. Because it really is unimportant. Why, why, why do we need to know that it was, what's, what's the point of that? God doesn't put things in his word randomly. I believe it possibly could be there to paint a clear picture that his faith had changed. It was becoming outward and bold. He had gone from secretly believing to strategically believing to boldly and openly associating himself with Jesus and at Jesus' worst moment on earth, his death, the shameful moment, the time when you don't want to associate with somebody who used to be great, used to be popular, now they're dead. It's clear to, is it, uh, I want to ask a question here, is it clear to people that you live near that you are related to, that you work with, that you are around. Is it clear that you are a follower of Jesus? You know, people don't carry big Bibles anymore. Thank the Lord. You know, probably chiropractors have, you know, saved on back injuries or whatever it might be. But maybe you have a big, I've got a big Bible in my, in my home. And, uh, you know, people don't carry those. People used to try to equate that. If I carry a big Bible, people are going to know I love Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, people don't really do that anymore. But is there something about how you live that is hard to hide, that acknowledges Jesus' lordship in your life? Are you known as a forgiver? Maybe about you that's kind of known, that you are a forgiver of people, that you're, that you're quick to forgive. The, the, the scriptures talk about God in this way. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He he desires to forgive. He is a forgiver. So is that, is that your life? Are you known as a forgiver? Are you known as a person who does not gossip about other people? Just talk about other people. I've said this before. Do you know the lowest form of conversation you can have with anybody is about people, even if it's, even if it's positive? Like uh, if you, you're talking about somebody, and oh, they're great with this. That's actually the, the most base form of conversation. One of the higher forms of conversation are, are thoughts, opinions, and thinking through things in life, matter, how, how you handled situations, what you think about things. That's actually real conversation. You'd be shocked at how much of your conversation is wrapped up around talking about your kids, talking about people you work with, talking about, I, I guarantee you 75% of what we talk about as people are about other people. 
it's, it's actually pretty funny. Now you're going to start thinking about it, and you're going to be like, wow, that's actually true. But are you known as not a gossip? Are you known as a person who's just and wants to make sure that the right things are done? Are you known as a person who's gracious, who overlooks faults of others and offenses? Are you known as that kind of person? Are you known as a person who's generous, who gives of their time and their resources? Do people know that about you? Is that the 75-pound thing you carry on your shoulders like Nicodemus? Are you known as loving? Are you known as hardworking? Are you known as truthful? Are you known as faithful? Are these the things that you carry around that everyone can see? Again, Jesus says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Heather, if you can come to the keyboard, I appreciate it. Jesus is not offering a challenge here or threatening us. See, that's what, that's what we do. If you do this, I'm going to do that. But if you do this, then I'm going to do that. That's how we work. As people, we, we give people ultimatums, challenges, even threats. He's not doing that. He's declaring a promise to us. That if we trust him and identify with him, that he will never, ever leave us or forsake us. And if we disown him, he cannot claim that he owns us or ever belong to him. He's stating a fact of how it will be. If you disown me, if you don't acknowledge me, if you don't associate yourself with me publicly and recognize me, then I won't be able to recognize you because you don't belong to me. But if you belong to me and recognize me and associate yourself with me, there is no way that I'm ever gonna let you down. Nicodemus is never mentioned again after chapter 19. And I believe this acknowledgement of Jesus continued on through his life. Maybe he was a part of the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. We don't know. But I do believe that Nicodemus's life went from uh, associating with Jesus secretly, which I think we've all been there, to strategically and very carefully and his life went to a place of openness and boldness. And I've got nothing to lose, and I'll carry on this giant sack of this, all, these, uh, er, uh, all these aloes and myrrh, and I'll, I'll do that. And whoever sees me or smells me and wonders why I'm doing this, it's okay. If you're here today and you believe in Jesus secretly, I want to challenge you today to come out of the shadows. If you believe in Jesus, but it's really, you have the opinion, it's not anybody else's business. You have the opinion of, I don't really let, need to let people know. Again, Paul's very clear. Paul's very clear that the entry level to, to salvation, to being right with God, is believing here what you've got right and confessing with your mouth. It has to be more than something secret. If your faith is only known strategically, maybe you're the one that's always carefully calculating everything and just, can I lose this relationship? Will I look, what will I look like in this situation? How will, that, how will that work out? How will that move? How will that work? Let me just challenge you today to move in confidence and boldness today. But I also believe that in order for these changes to happen, in order to move like Nicodemus did, and, and by the way, Nicodemus moved in, in these, these three moments in probably two and a half years-ish. And I, I would be safe to say that there are some of us in this room that we're still in secrecy. We're still in that strategy part. And it's been maybe years that we've known Christ and walked with him. So when we look at Nicodemus, we see that you know, he, wasn't, he wasn't hitting it on all cylinders at first. But in a two and a half year period, he had really transformed and became a follower of Christ. But I believe the power you and I need 
to move and be able to become people that boldly proclaim who Jesus is is in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 and verse 8. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. There is something about waiting on God and the work of His Spirit that is going to do more for you than any book, any class, any seminar, any webinar. Nothing, nothing can replace the work, the baptism, and the person of the Spirit in our life. Period. Nothing can replace that. As a fellowship, uh, we have uh, been around for over 100 years, which is very new compared to a lot of, a lot of fellowships and denominations. And as a church, you know, 38 years this coming Sunday. But the reason that God has used us as a fellowship is not because we were better, not because we were smarter, or whatever it might be, but he's used us as a fellowship because of our dependence on the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, period. We were wrong side of the tracks believers back in the day people that spoke in tongues, people that prayed for people that needed healing, people believed that Jesus was going to return. That's freaky people. That's where we come from. That's uh, the people that God used that believed him, that believed in the work of the Spirit. And so, if you're a secret follower of Jesus, if you're a strategic follower of Jesus, but you want to be a bold follower of Jesus, let me just tell you the, the key to seeing that change in your life and in my life is the Spirit of God moving in you, baptizing you, filling you, empowering you to be able to do that. Did you know that every disciple was baptized in the Spirit? Do you know all the early church were baptized in the Spirit and look what God did through their lives? I believe God can still do those things today if we would wait on Him. So I want to give us an opportunity. Could we stand together this morning? What if we waited on him a little bit this morning? What if we just waited on him? If you're here today and you say, you know what, Jesus, I, 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 I refuse. I do not want to be a person who secretly follows you or strategically follows you. I want to be a person that boldly follows you. I want to be a person that boldly acknowledges who you are. Maybe you have people in your mind that you have been sharing your faith with, or maybe there's been moments where you feel like you shrink back, whatever it might be, but it's on your heart for God to, to really move in your life. Just come find a place of prayer. Even as we're, I'm talking right now, just come find a place of prayer down here. You can go over on the side over here, wherever it might be. But let's take a few minutes. Let's just wait on God. Let's wait on him today. Lord, we just say to you today that we recognize you. We recognize the power of your spirit. God, we recognize the fact that your church uh, was empowered by you to be able to do your work, that they didn't have to be good enough, they didn't have to be smart enough, but God, uh, they depended on the work of your spirit. So God, as we come to you today, we're asking you to help us. We're asking you to pour your spirit out on us. God, to cause there to be a fresh boldness in us about acknowledging you. Lord, there might be somebody in our lives that we work with. Maybe we've worked with them for years and we've never shared our faith with them. We've never encouraged them in matters related to Jesus. Lord, I pray that that would begin to change in us, that our, that our hearts would change toward that. God, that we would repent and turn away from that. God, if there's somebody in our family that maybe we feel like we have, we have shared Jesus with so many times and, and, and so many times... The door has been shut and we're, we're done. We're, we're finished. God, would you rekindle a fresh hunger and a fresh desire to, to break through in prayer? God, there are people in this room whose children maybe are far away from you. God, help them today. Give them power as they pray. Give them power as they intercede for their children or their grandchildren. 
God, there are students here, middle school, high school students that desperately want to make a difference in where they go to school. God, let there be uh, uh, just an empowerment from you that ignites a passion in them to do it. God, I pray that you would just bless them in an incredible way. God, you see us as a church. God, we need your help today. We need your help today as your church. We want to be a light in the days to come. And God, we need your power to do it. Lord, we do. We desperately need your power to do it. So we look to you today. We say thank you for the opportunity to call in your name. Thank you for the fact that that you said in your own mouth, your own words, it's better if I leave because if I leave, the advocate, the spirit will come. God, thank you that you always do what's best for us, always. And if you're here today, every head bow, every eye closed. Maybe you're here. And secretly, you believe who Jesus is, but it's never gone past there, ever. I want you to raise your hand if you want that to be different. I want you to raise your hand if you want that to be different, if you don't want it to be secret anymore. Anybody here, that's what your heart's desire is. You're not doing it for anybody else. You're not doing it for, for, for another person, but you're doing it for you, your relationship with God. Anybody here, that's what you want. That's No more secrets. worship you today. We worship you today. We worship you. Lord, you're good in every way. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Spirit of God, we honor you recognize your power and your might. We recognize your purpose. We recognize your work. We thank you for today. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for these that have come to this altar and are crying out to you, calling out on your name. But I know there are those at their seat, they're, they're calling you, they're saying, Jesus, be my help. Jesus, do your work, use me. And my prayer for them is this, that God, you would use them in an incredible way. God, I pray that you would help us as a church for the next 38 years. Help us to be a light, a powerful light, not because we're slick or smart or we have a nice building or any of those other things that may have validity to it but because the power of God is here. Because the people of God here desperately care about this world and other people. Pour your spirit out on us. Help us today. Help us today to be about your business in every way. We love you and honor you today, Jesus, in your name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for your people today. I pray a blessing over them. I pray again that they would be a light wherever they go, that that you would, God, cause their awareness of you working. Help it to become very clear to them in a situation or wherever it may be in their life this week. And God, help us not to be people that shrink back, but help us to be people that just speak boldly about who you are. Help us to speak boldly about what you've done. And I pray a blessing on your people, anointing, power to do it. Even this week as they go invite somebody, maybe there's somebody that came to their mind and, and they just, oh, maybe they won't want to go, they're busy, whatever it might be. God, give them some boldness to be able to say, hey, our church is celebrating a big anniversary next week and I know I've never invited you, but I would love to hang out with you and help you to just come and see what our church is about. Just just come have a good time. But I pray you give them a boldness to do that this week. We love you, and we recognize, again, your greatness today and the source of all power. We pray a blessing over your people in every way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.